Section three of Tanglewood Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tanglewood Tales by Nathaniel Hawthorne. The Minotaur, Part three. Near the king's throne, though I had no time to tell you so before, stood his daughter Ariadne. She was a beautiful and tender-hearted maiden, and looked at these poor doomed captives with very different feelings from those of the iron-breasted King Minos. She really wept, indeed, at the idea of how much human happiness would be needlessly thrown away, by giving so many young people, in the first bloom and rose-blossom of their lives, to be eaten up by a creature who, no doubt, would have preferred a fat ox, or even a large pig, to the plumpest of them and when she beheld the brave spirited figure of prince theseus bearing himself so calmly in his terrible peril she grew a hundred times more pitiful than before as the guards were taking him away she flung herself at the king's feet and besought him to set all the captives free and especially this one young man peace foolish girl answered king minos what has thou to do with an affair like this it is a matter of state policy, and therefore quite beyond thy weak comprehension. Go water thy flowers, and think no more of these Athenian caitiffs, whom the Minotaur shall as certainly eat up for breakfast, as I will eat a partridge for my supper. So saying, the king looked cruel enough to devour Theseus and all the rest of the captives himself, had there been no Minotaur to save him the trouble. As he would hear not another word in their favour, the prisoners were now led away, and clapped into a dungeon, where the jailer advised them to go to sleep as soon as possible, because the minotaur was in the habit of calling for breakfast early. The seven maidens and six of the young men soon sobbed themselves to slumber. But Theseus was not like them. He felt conscious that he was wiser and braver and stronger than his companions, and that therefore he had the responsibility of all their lives upon him, and must consider whether there was no way to save them, even in this last extremity. So he kept himself awake, and paced to and fro across the gloomy dungeon in which they were shut up. Just before midnight the door was softly unbarred, and the gentle Ariadne showed herself with a torch in her hand are you awake prince theseus she whispered yes answered theseus with so little time to live i do not choose to waste any of it in sleep then follow me said ariadne and tread softly what had become of the jailer and the guards theseus never knew but however that might be ariadne opened all the doors and led him forth from the darksome prison into the pleasant moonlight theseus said the maiden you can now get on board your vessel and sail away for athens no answered the young man i will never leave crete unless i can first slay the minotaur and save my poor companions and deliver athens from this cruel tribute i knew that this would be your resolution said ariadne come then with me brave theseus here is your own sword which the guards deprived you of you will need it and pray heaven you may use it well. Then she led Theseus along by the hand, until they came to a dark, shadowy grove, 
where the moonlight wasted itself on the tops of the trees without shedding hardly so much as a glimmering beam upon their pathway after going a good way through this obscurity they reached a high marble wall which was overgrown with creeping plants that made it shaggy with their verdure the wall seemed to have no door nor any windows but rose up lofty and massive and mysterious and was neither to be clambered over nor as far as theseus could perceive to be passed through nevertheless ariadne did but press one of her soft little fingers against a particular block of marble and though it looked as solid as any other part of the wall it yielded to her touch disclosing an entrance just wide enough to admit them they crept through and the marble stone swung back into its place we are now said ariadne in the famous labyrinth which daedalus built before he made himself a pair of wings and flew away from our islands like a bird that daedalus was a very cunning workman but of all his artful contrivances this labyrinth is the most wondrous were we to take but a few steps from the doorway we might wander about all our lifetime and never find it again yet in the very centre of this labyrinth is the minotaur and theseus you must go thither to seek him but how shall i ever find him asked theseus if the labyrinth so bewilders me as you say it will just as he spoke they heard a rough and very disagreeable roar which greatly resembled the lowing of a fierce bull but yet had some sort of sound like the human voice theseus even fancied a rude articulation in it as if the creature that uttered it were trying to shape his hoarse breath into words it was at some distance however and you really could not tell whether it sounded most like a bull's roar or a man's harsh voice that is the minotaur's noise whispered ariadne closely grasping the hand of theseus and pressing one of her own hands to her heart which was all in a tremble you must follow that sound through the windings of the labyrinth and by and by you will find him stay take the end of the silken string i will hold the other end and then if you win the victory it will lead you again to this spot farewell brave theseus so the young man took the end of the silken string in his left hand and his gold-hilted sword ready drawn from its scabbard in the other and trod boldly into the inscrutable labyrinth how this labyrinth was built is more than i can tell you but so cunningly contrived a mismaze was never seen in the world before nor since there can be nothing else so intricate unless it were the brain of a man like daedalus who planned it or the heart of any ordinary man which last to be sure is ten times as great a mystery as the labyrinth of crete theseus had not taken five steps before he lost sight of ariadne and in five more his head was growing dizzy but still he went on now creeping through a low arch now ascending a flight of steps now in one crooked passage and now in another with here a door opening before him and there one banging behind until it really seemed as if the walls spun round and whirled him round along with them and all the while through these hollow avenues now nearer now farther off again resounded the cry of the minotaur and the sound was so fierce so cruel so ugly so like a bull's roar and withal so like a human voice and yet like neither of them that the brave heart of theseus grew sterner and angrier at every step for he felt it an insult to the moon and sky and to her affectionate and simple mother earth that such a monster should have the audacity to exist 
as he passed onward the clouds gathered over the moon and the labyrinth grew so dusky that theseus could no longer discern the bewilderment through which he was passing he would have felt quite lost and utterly hopeless of ever again walking in a straight path if every little while he had not been conscious of a gentle twitch at the silken cord then he knew that the tender-hearted ariadne was still holding the other end and that she was fearing for him and hoping for him and giving him just as much of her sympathy as if she were close by his side oh indeed i can assure you there was a vast deal of human sympathy running along that slender thread of silk but still he followed the dreadful roar of the minotaur which now grew louder and louder and finally so very loud that theseus fully expected to come close upon him at every new zigzag and wriggle of the path and at last in an open space at the very centre of the labyrinth he did discern the hideous creature sure enough what an ugly monster it was only his horned head belonged to a bull and yet somehow or other he looked like a bull all over preposterously waddling on his hind legs or if you happen to view him in another way he seemed wholly a man and all the more monstrous for being so and there he was the wretched thing with no society no companion no kind of a mate living only to do mischief and incapable of knowing what affection means theseus hated him and shuddered at him and yet could not but be sensible of some sort of pity and all the more the uglier and more detestable the creature was for he kept striding to and fro in a solitary frenzy of rage continually emitting a hoarse roar which was oddly mixed up with half-shaped words and after listening a while theseus understood that the minotaur was saying to himself how miserable he was and how hungry and how he hated everybody and how he longed to eat up the human race alive ah the bull-headed villain and oh my good little people you will perhaps see one of these days as i do now that every human being who suffers anything evil to get into his nature or to remain there is a kind of minotaur an enemy of his fellow-creatures and separated from all good companionship as this poor monster was was theseus afraid by no means my dear auditors what a hero like theseus afraid not had the minotaur had twenty bullheads instead of one bold as he was however i rather fancy that it strengthened his valiant heart just at this crisis to feel a tremulous twitch at the silken cord which he was still holding in his left hand it was as if ariadne was giving him all her might and courage and much as he already had and little as she had to give it made his own seem twice as much and to confess the honest truth he needed the whole for now the minotaur turning suddenly about caught sight of theseus and instantly lowered his horribly sharp horns exactly as a mad bull does when he means to rush against an enemy at the same time he belched forth a tremendous roar in which there was something like the words of human language but all disjointed and shaken to pieces by passing through the gullet of a miserably enraged brute theseus could only guess what the creature intended to say and that rather by his gestures than his words for the minotaur's horns were sharper than his wits and of a great deal more service to him than his tongue but probably this was the sense of what he uttered ah wretch of a human being i'll stick my horns through you and toss you fifty feet high and eat you up the moment you come down come on then and try it 
was all that theseus deigned to reply for he was far too magnanimous to assault his enemy with insolent language without more words on either side there ensued the most awful fight between theseus and the minotaur that ever happened beneath the sun or moon i really know not how it might have turned out if the monster in his first headlong rush against theseus had not missed him by a hair's breadth and broken one of his horns shot off against the stone wall on this mishap he bellowed so intolerably that a part of the labyrinth tumbled down and all the inhabitants of crete mistook the noise for an uncommonly heavy thunderstorm smarting with the pain he galloped around the open space in so ridiculous a way that theseus laughed at it long afterwards though not precisely at the moment after this the two antagonists stood valiantly up to one another and fought sword to horn for a long while at last the minotaur made a run at theseus grazed his left side with his horn and flung him down and thinking that he had stabbed him to the heart he cut a great caper in the air opened his bull mouth from ear to ear and prepared to snap his head off but theseus by this time had leaped up and caught the monster off his guard fetching a sword stroke at him with all his force he hit him fair upon the neck and made his bull head skip six yards from his human body which fell down flat upon the ground so now the battle was ended immediately the moon shone out as brightly as if all the troubles of the world and all the wickedness and the ugliness that infest human life were past and gone for ever and theseus as he leaned on his sword taking breath felt another twitch of the silken cord for all through the terrible encounter he had held it fast in his left hand eager to let ariadne know of his success he followed the guidance of the thread and soon found himself at the entrance of the labyrinth thou hast slain the monster cried ariadne clasping her hands thanks to thee dear ariadne answered theseus i return victorious then said ariadne we must quickly summon thy friends and get them and thyself on board the vessel before dawn if morning finds thee here my father will avenge the minotaur to make my story short the poor captives were awakened and hardly knowing whether it was not a joyful dream were told of what theseus had done and that they must set sail for athens before daybreak hastening down to the vessel they all clambered on board except prince theseus who lingered behind them on the strand holding ariadne's hand clasped in his own dear maiden said he thou wilt surely go with us thou art too gentle and sweet a child for such an iron-hearted father as king minos he cares no more for thee than a granite rock cares for the little flower that grows in one of its crevices but my father king aegeus and my dear mother aethra and all the fathers and mothers in athens and all the sons and daughters too will love and honour thee as their benefactress come with us then for king minos will be very angry when he knows what thou hast done now some low-minded people who pretend to tell the story of theseus and ariadne have the face to say that this royal and honourable maiden did really flee away under cover of the night with the young stranger whose life she had preserved they say too that prince theseus who would have died sooner than wrong the meanest creature in the world ungratefully deserted ariadne on a solitary island where the vessel touched on its voyage to athens but had the noble theseus heard these falsehoods he would have served their slanderous authors as he served the minotaur here is what ariadne answered when the brave prince of athens besought her to accompany him 
now theseus the maiden said pressing his hand and then drawing back a step or two i cannot go with you my father is old and has nobody but myself to love him hard as you think his heart is it would break to lose me at first king minos will be angry but he will soon forgive his only child and by and by he will rejoice i know that no more youths and maidens must come from athens to be devoured by the minotaur i have saved you theseus as much for my father's sake as for your own farewell heaven bless you all this was so true and so maidenlike and was spoken with so sweet a dignity that theseus would have blushed to urge her any longer nothing remained for him therefore but to bid ariadne an affectionate farewell and to go on board the vessel and set sail in a few moments the white foam was boiling up before their prow as prince theseus and his companions sailed out of the harbour with the whistling breeze behind them talus the brazen giant on his never-ceasing sentinel's march happened to be approaching that part of the coast and they saw him by the glimmering of the moonbeams on his polished surface while he was yet a great way off as the figure moved like clockwork however and could neither hasten his enormous strides nor retard them he arrived at the port when they were just beyond the reach of his club nevertheless straddling from headland to headland as his custom was talus attempted to strike a blow at the vessel and overreaching himself tumbled at full length into the sea which splashed high over his gigantic shape as when an iceberg turns a somerset there he lies yet and whoever decides to enrich himself by means of brass had better go thither with a diving bell and fish up talus on the homeward voyage the fourteen youths and damsels were in excellent spirits as you will easily suppose they spent most of their time in dancing unless when the sidelong breeze made the deck slope too much in due season they came within sight of the coast of attica which was their native country but here i am grieved to tell you happened a sad misfortune you will remember what theseus unfortunately forgot that his father king aegeus had enjoined it upon him to hoist sunshiny sails instead of black ones in case he should overcome the minotaur and return victorious in the joy of their success however and amidst the sports dancing and other merriment with which these young folks wore away the time they never once thought whether their sails were black white or rainbow coloured and indeed left it entirely to the mariners whether they had any sails at all thus the vessel returned like a raven with the same sable wings that had wafted her away but poor king aegeus day after day infirm as he was had clambered to the summit of a cliff that overhung the sea and there sat watching for prince theseus homeward bound and no sooner did he behold the fatal blackness of the sails than he concluded that his dear son whom he loved so much and felt so proud of had been eaten by the minotaur he could not bear the thought of living any longer so first flinging his crown and sceptre into the sea useless baubles that they were to him now king aegeus merely stooped forward and fell headlong over the cliff and was drowned poor soul in the waves that foamed at its base this was melancholy news for prince theseus who when he stepped ashore found himself king of all the country whether he would or no and such a turn of fortune was enough to make any young man feel very much out of spirits however he sent for his dear mother to athens and by taking her advice in matters of state became a very excellent monarch and was greatly beloved by his people End of the minotaur 